Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. chapter number 5 and verse 9. Then went Haman forth that day joyful and with a glad heart. But if you read on here, you'll see that it was short-lived. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate, that he stood not up nor moved for him, he was full of indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman refrained himself, and when he came home, he sent and called for his friends and Jerish his wife. And Haman told them of the glory of his riches and the multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him. And how he had advanced him above the princes and servants of the king. And Haman said, Moreover, yea, Esther the queen did let no man come in with the king unto the banquet that she had prepared but myself. And tomorrow I am invited unto her also with the king. Yet all of this, I want you to note this, yet all of this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Went through this long litany of all the blessings and benefits and promotions and advancements and all of these things. And he said, yet all of that availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. And I just want to use this this storyline and preach from this subject for a few moments tonight. Giving the devil a bad day. Giving the devil a bad day. I sense that some of you know what it is to have him to give you a bad day. But I think we need to turn the tables on him for a few moments here tonight and give him a bad day. Would you lift your hands and your voices and let's pray. Dear God, I'm asking you to move and to work. I'm praying, God, for your complete and perfect will to be done. I pray that you would speak to this congregation tonight and encourage them in the Holy Ghost and strengthen them is my prayer. I thank you for it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Would you clap your hands to the Lord? Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. We, you and I, we have an adversary. There are two very basic things that I feel that so often we lose sight of concerning our adversary, and that is, first of all, he's not a figment of our imagination. 
He's not a straw man that a preacher has concocted and invented, sort of like parents created the boogeyman to keep their children in line. But he is a very real adversary. And he does have a measure of power that has been relegated to him. And he has exerted his influence in our world. He has captured so many of the hearts of our generation. And he has spread his lies. And in fact, everything of an evil nature in our world is the handiwork of the devil. Every overdose, every battered wife, every broken family, every abused child, every heinous crime, every aborted baby. This is all a testimony of the reality of the devil. He is referred to by so many names in the scripture. He is called Lucifer. He's called Son of the Morning Star, the accuser of the brethren. He is called the father of lies. He's called the deceiver. He is called the God of this world. He is also called the prince of the power of the air of this world. So many names, and all of them are attempting to describe the nature of our adversary. But none of them, I do not feel, is any more graphic in describing him than what the Apostle Peter in his writing about the devil described him in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. He gives out a warning. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He called him your adversary. I want to state to you that he is a personal devil. He's one that knows your name. And he knows and studies your weaknesses. He knows your proclivities. He knows your thoughts. He he, he watches the way and rather that your thoughts are manifest in your life. And uh, what you tend towards. And he, he doesn't take any prisoners. There's nobody that is immune to him. There's nobody that he is not after. There's no one that he does not try to affect. Young and old. Doesn't matter how long you've had the Holy Ghost or how short it has been since you received the Holy Ghost. It does not matter whether or not that you have at one point done some great exploits for God or you're just trying to get your footing in the church or you're a new convert. It doesn't matter He still wants to destroy each and every one of us. The Bible said he's like a lion. Simon Peter's day, there were lions that prowled through the hills of Palestine. And these lions were the most feared and deadly of all the beasts. And as it prowls through the wilderness, it, uh, it does not have any other creature really that it fears. It it doesn't have any other creature that is able to even compare with it. It uh, is not preyed upon by any other beast. The average male lion weighs between 350 and 500 pounds. It uh, stands three foot and a half in its height 
and it's nine feet long. It can see clearly in pitch black dark. It can run up to speeds of 35 miles per hour. It can run down, leap upon, and snap the spine of a 600-pound zebra. And then after it has taken its prey, it can drag that same zebra to its den, which would take six grown men to move to do the very same feat. And it isn't happy with The devil isn't happy with any one of us that is in this place. In fact, he's pretty upset with people that are in this room tonight that in spite of all that he's done to try to get between you and your relationship with God to cause you to fail, to cause you to quit, to cause you to give up, to cause you to grow so discouraged and despondent that you don't believe Uh, for another miracle or a prayer being answered. But you're still here tonight. Uh, And to his dismay, you're still in this place with a heart for God and a desire to worship the Lord, a desire to, to live for him, not just survive, but to really live for God victoriously and do the will of the Lord. So the first thing that you've got to remember about the devil is that he is real and that he is your enemy and that you alone and by yourself are no match for him. But the second thing that you need to remember is that we know someone who can defeat him every time. It doesn't matter what he comes against us with. It doesn't matter what new tactic it seems that he uses. It doesn't matter what kind of attack that he brings against us. I remind you that greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. I just want to encourage somebody here tonight that you don't have to face him alone. You don't have to face the enemy of your soul by yourself. You don't have to face off with the devil by yourself. But you've got a God that is on your side. Aren't you thankful that you know him tonight? Aren't you thankful for the power of the Holy Ghost that we have on the inside? Aren't you thankful that you have a friend that's sticking closer than a brother? When others may walk out, when others may fail, when others are not there to help you, that he'll always stick beside you in the fight. He'll never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of the Sunday school teacher that was teaching an eight-year-old class about temptation. And she just simply asked the question to this, these eight-year-olds. She said, what is temptation? Can anybody tell me what temptation is? And this little girl, her hand shot straight up. And she said, I can tell you what it is. And she called on the little girl and she said, what is temptation to you? She said, temptation to me is when the devil comes knocking on my door. And asks me to come out and play. That's temptation. I said, well, that's a pretty good description. That's just about how it is. I can agree with that. But let me ask a second question. I said, how do you handle temptation? That little girl's hand shot right back up. And she was waving it. And finally the teacher said, yes. said, how is it that you handle temptation? She said, well, when I hear the knocking 
on the door. My mama has always told me to never open the door until you know who's on the other side of it. So I walk up to the door and I look through that little peephole. And I look out there and I see the devil. And he's got a piece of paper with my address on it. And uh, I back away from the door. And what he doesn't realize is that I have Jesus living in my house. And so I just walk over to Jesus and say, Jesus, do you mind going to the door and answering the door for me? And when he goes over and answers the door and the devil looks up from that piece of paper and sees Jesus standing there, all of a sudden he crumples it up and said, I must have the wrong address. Because he's no match for Jesus. He understands and knows one thing. That he cannot defeat our God. That he has no power over him. You know what the problem is? A lot of times we're trying to fight our battles by ourselves. We're trying to make it through situations all alone. We're trying in our own strength. I'm going to tell you, you don't have to depend upon your own strength and your own ability. But you can depend upon God to help you. He'll come through for you. He'll cause you to triumph. He'll make you victorious. He'll he'll help you to conquer whatever it is that is before you. Somebody needs to send Jesus to the door. Somebody needs to realize I have somebody that's on my side that is greater than anything that comes against me. Oh, clap your hands and let's give praise unto the Lord. He's not only described as a lion, but he is described as a roaring lion. Roaring lion. You know, I've heard a lot of people say different reasons, and, and I, I'm not sure any of them are really right of why a lion roars. I know I haven't had an encounter with a African lion, but I have had an encounter with a North American mountain lion, and it can send chills down your spine when you hear one roar. Really, it's like a scream. And I suppose it's different with a African lion, and it causes fear and a tremor to go through the jungle when it roars. But I've heard people say that a lion roaring is because really the reason the devil is like a roaring lion is because he really doesn't have any power and he doesn't have any teeth or, or claws to devour his prey. Well, I don't know what kind of devil you've been fighting, but the one I've been up against, he's got some teeth. And I will say that he's got some claws to go along with it. And I don't know what kind of devil that you're encountering, but... I don't believe that he just wants to gum on his prey, but I believe that he really intends on destroying. The Bible seek, he said it, it says that he seeks uh, whom he may devour. He's looking to destroy. He's looking to take people down. He's looking to take people out, uh, seeking whom he may devour. But a lion, it roars to strike fear. It roars in arrogance because there's nothing that its prey can do. I already told you the dimensions of a lion. I've already told you the power and the strength that a lion has. I've already explained to you that once a lion 
uh, pounces on its prey, there's not much that it can do. And uh, the prey realizes that once this lion has ever got its beady eyes on me, there's not much I can do to, to get away from it, to escape. I can't run fast enough. And so the lion roars in arrogance. And that reminds me of this man in our text by the name of Haman. Haman was a man with a tremendous ego. He was a man that had an extreme amount of pride. And he was always trying to position himself to be promoted. He always wanted to exert power. He always wanted to be in authority. He wanted recognition and he wanted people to respect him. He was into celebrityism. He, he wanted people to look at him and, and say, wow, look at this guy. This, this guy is a very powerful man in the government. The king has promoted him to a very powerful position. And uh, this, this really stroke the ego of Haman to walk down the streets and have people give homage to him and have people bow to him or salute him or to move out of his way because they knew that he was an important and powerful man in the kingdom. And so uh, this was something that, that uh, he, he was very fond of, and it, and it did something to his ego. But uh, one day he was promoted even a little higher in the kingdom, and he received an invitation to a banquet that was going to be held by Queen Esther. And uh, this this man really thought that that, that this is the this is the best. This is as good as it gets. This is wonderful. I mean, I've been included in on a list that, that very few people have been included on. I, I'm a very important person, in other words. And uh, he can't hardly wait to get home and tell his family, as the scripture says, and his friends, and brag about it a little bit. Hey, I got a special invitation today. I want you to know that I'm going to go to a banqueting table. I'm going to go, it would be sort of like the presidential inauguration or something on that wise, a big ball. I'm going to be able to go and celebrate with the big wigs. I mean, this is a big, big deal. You ought to be proud of me. Very few people ever accomplished this. But when he rounds the corner towards his house, he has to go by the king's gate on his way out of the courtyard. And he sees this man, this old Jew by the name of Mordecai, that has positioned himself and has been there for weeks now in the king's gate. And this is bothersome. This is something that really perturbs uh, Haman, he, 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 it makes him get beside himself as he looks and sees Haman there and Haman just looks at him and doesn't bow, doesn't salute, and he doesn't even move out of the way, the Bible says. He makes no effort to show respect towards Haman because he knows that Haman is really not a respectable person. He knows that murder is in Haman's heart. That he has no respect for the things of God or the people of God. And he doesn't deserve a salute. He doesn't deserve somebody to bow to him. 
And so he doesn't even move from his position at the king's gate, at the passing of Haman. And something, it gets his hackles up like very few things could. There's just something that makes his blood boil when he looks over there and sees Haman. Everybody else is saluting. Everybody else is bowing. Everybody else is is uh, paying homage. Everybody else is doing uh, uh, the respectable thing. But Haman just stands there bored straight. He doesn't, he doesn't salute. He doesn't bow. He doesn't show any type of respectful uh, nothing. He says nothing to him. He does nothing to show that Haman even exists and this bothers him. Can I just stop right here and say that the devil is relentless. The devil wants to come and he wants to destroy us so desperately that he'll go to whatever links that he has to go to and when it doesn't work when he's thrown his best at you when he's tried to tempt when he's tried to discourage when he's brought disappointments when he's tried to block your blessing when he's done his best to cause things to happen in your life and circumstances to happen in your life oh to cause you to wonder if God even knows your name but yet you still still stand for God. You still come to the house of the Lord and you worship God with all of your heart. You still, when it comes time to sing, you don't just stand there, but you lift up your voice and you sing a song of praise unto God. When it's time to pray and get in the presence of God, you still have faith. I may have not seen the answer yet, but I'm still praying and I'm still believing and I'm still trusting God. And I'm still standing faithful for him. I'm going to tell you the devil, he doesn't understand this faithfulness business because he could not be faithful himself. When he was in the very, very throne room of God, when he was there in the presence of the Lord himself, envy and strife and bitterness got in his heart and caused him to rebel against God. And he don't understand why after he's thrown everything that he can at you, that you still have a desire to serve the Lord. You still have a desire to be here on a Sunday night you still have a desire to lift your hands you still have a hunger in your heart for more of God you still live for the Lord faithfully each and every day of your life when temptations come you don't say yes and yield to them but you stand up and resist them and he doesn't understand it He's watching, he's watching when the dirty jokes are told. And uh, you know what causes him, what causes him grief is when you walk away and you don't laugh and you don't go along with it. When, when, when things, when temptation comes and the offer of the world is there, you don't take him up on the offer, but you walk away. And he doesn't understand that. He does not get that. 
Oh, when, when promotion would come to the flesh and you don't receive it and you say, no, I want to do the will of God and I want to please God and I'm going to be God's, I'm going to be God's man or God's woman. He doesn't understand that. When family ridicules you for your convictions and you stand flat footed and say, I'm not going to budge. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to roll over. I'm not going to be like everybody else. But I'm going to stand for the things of God. Oh, he doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. And it bothers him. It brings him down. It causes him to have a bad day. To know what causes the devil a bad day it's when you resist him it's when you stand strong it's when you're faithful it's when everything is thrown against you but the kitchen sink but you're still here and you're still living for God anybody hearing what I'm saying here tonight oh yeah he does everything he can to get you to, to back off a little bit he does everything he can to get you to capitulate and to give in and to compromise but I got news for the devil hey we're we're not we're not we're not down we're we're not out we're not going to give up we're not going to throw in the towel but we're going to be stronger we're going to come through it more than conquerors we're going to be victorious through Christ Jesus oh somebody clap your hands and let's give some praise to the lord hallelujah hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Haman went to his house. He said, I've been promoted. I've been invited to a banquet. I'm on the VIP guest list. Haman went forth that day when that promotion came, the Bible says, and he had such joy and he was glad in his heart. But then he saw Mordecai. Went home and said, I have all these riches. I have a multitude of children. I've been blessed to be advanced in the kingdom of Ahasuerus, the king. I am a great man and I'm a prince. I've been elevated above the princes in the kingdom. Yet all of this availeth me nothing so long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. I mean, I can be having a good day and I can have joy and be glad in heart and I round the corner to go into the king's courtyard and there sits Mordecai in sackcloth. Looking at me, unmoved, he doesn't show a bit of respect. Matter of fact, it appears to me that he has a sneer on his face. And I can hardly contain myself. I mean, I got everything as far as this kingdom is concerned. I've advanced as far as you can without becoming the king yourself. I'm in a lofty position. I have wealth. I have riches. I I have all the possessions that I need. I have a healthy family. But yet, it just bothers me so to see that Mordecai will not capitulate, will not give in. I'm going to tell you, when you come to the house of God and the devil 
has tempted, the devil has fought and resisted and attacked you, and you still have a heart to serve the Lord, that irritates him, and it bothers him. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, every time you come and position yourself in the king's gate, as it were, and say, God, you're worthy no matter what's going on in my life. God, you're good, and you're faithful, and you're awesome, and you're worthy to be praised. No matter how I feel or what's going on, no matter what the report is, no matter what they say about tomorrow, I'm still going to trust in you. I'm still going to believe you. You talk about sending the devil away in a fit. You talk about sending the devil away despondent. You talk about sending the devil away from your house. Amen. When he's tried to do everything he can to dissolve and destroy your relationship with God, yet you have your mind made up. I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to do something for God. I'm just not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. That's what Mordecai had. He had an attitude and a spirit that said, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in your face, devil. Every opportunity, every chance that I have, I am not going to give up. Come on, that's the people that get the blessing. That's the people that receive something from God. That's the folks that receive the miracle. That's the folks that God blesses. That's the folks that God uses. Is those that refuse to give up. Back in the 50s, there was a, a heavyweight boxer. I'm not a big sports follower, but every once in a while it works good for a good example. And his name was Rocky, or for short, they called him Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano in the 50s was the heavyweight champ of the world. And very famous, and in fact, he had 49 fights and 43 of them were KOs. That means he knocked out his opponent. Uh, he was kind of like the Mike Tyson of his day or whoever it is in your generation that was the heavyweight champion or the one that was the meanest and had the reputation of being the toughest. That was Rocky Marciano. And there was a younger challenger. I mean, Rocky Marciano had been at the top for many years. And as you know, it doesn't matter how powerful, it doesn't matter what kind of record, it doesn't matter what kind of victories a person's had in the past. Age is going to take its toll. And strength is going to weaken with age. And he's not quite as fast now. He doesn't have the abilities that he once had, and he's not nearly as agile there's a lot of injuries that have happened along the way in life, and so he's become susceptible. And there was a, a boxer by the name of Ezra Charles that became a challenger to Rocky Marciano. In the first fight that they had, uh, Rocky Marciano got the best of him. But it was a very close fight, but it was decided uh, by a judge or by judges. It was one of those that he won on points. He didn't, he didn't knock the opponent out. And so there was a lot of talk that when he challenges him again, if there's ever a rematch, this is the man that can beat the champion. This is the one. I mean, 
in every way, he outperforms Rocky Marciano. He's taller. He has a longer reach. He has a more powerful punch. He's, he's younger. He's more agile. He's got more endurance. All of these things and every stat that they had to measure these two individuals, this challenger, Ezra Charles, he just outmeasured him in every way. And so it was just certain that everybody thought if they were making odds, it was going to be that Ezra Charles was going to be the victor this time around because Rocky Marciano was missing a step. And so, of course, there was a big buildup for the bout. And, and they came into the early rounds. And just as it was predicted, Ezra Charles, it seemed, was getting the best of the champion. The first few rounds, they said it looked like that literally that, that Rocky Marciano had ran into a meat cleaver. His, his eyebrows were hanging down over his eyes because they had been uh, hit blow by blow by Ezra Charles, and they were swelling his eyes shut. There was cuts. His nose was bleeding. His lips were busted, and he just looked a mess as they kept on in the fight. And then along about the sixth round, Ezra Charles, in one of those volleys, he was able to get a square punch on the jaw of the champion, and he fell to his knees. And he was not able to get back up and click his gloves together until the count had reached eight. And so everybody thought that this is it. He's certainly not going to win. He can't in any way win on points at this stage of the fight. If he wins, he'll have to knock his opponent out. And it's clear that he is, he is not in shape to do that. It's, it's clear that he's not going to be able to achieve. And so the fight went on, the seventh round. and It just looked worse and worse. But there was something that they noticed in Rocky Marciano's corner. And that was that, that Ezra Charles, I mean, he was, he was working the champion over, but he was, he was getting so many punches in that he was getting tired. I mean, he was beating him down so bad that he, at this point in the fight, he could hardly hold his gloves up because he was having such a time uh, beating on his opponent. And, and uh, they noticed that his guard was letting down and he was getting weary in the fight. And uh, there was at one point when he knocked the champion down, Ezra Charles did, that he actually motioned to him that time that he knocked him down in the sixth round. He actually motioned to him to stay down. It was as if he was having pity on his opponent. Telling him to stay down like he was feeling sorry for him. And it was sort of a shame and it, and it looked like he was being made the champion. The one that had been powerful and won 46 fights by knockout. It just appeared that he was becoming a laughing stock. But that man, every time he would get knocked against the ropes, he would bounce back. Every time he would get knocked down, he would get back up again. Until finally, at just the right time in the eighth round, that Ezra Charles let down his guard just enough and opened up his jaw so that the champion could 
could throw a flesh punch and hit him against the jaw. And when he did, Ezra Charles fell, knocked out to the mat, and the champion won. The count was given seven, eight, nine, ten. And uh, the reigning champion continued to be the champion. And so they interviewed Rocky Marciano later. And they said, didn't you realize that this man was much younger and stronger, had a longer reach. He was more powerful. He was a favorite to win. In every stat, he outclassed you. Did you not realize that? He said, oh, yes. He said, I realized that going into this fight. Did you, did, you ever, did you ever think when you started this fight that you would be knocked down as you were? And he said, oh, yeah. He said, I knew there was the strong possibility that I would be knocked down. I, I kind of anticipated that somewhere along in this match, I was going to be knocked down. They said, well, sir, can we ask you, did you ever think that you was going to lose? And he said, oh, no. He said, I never once for a moment ever pondered that I would lose I never considered the fact that I would lose they would say to him how could you say such a thing you were knocked down you went all the way to the 8th count until you were able to get back up on your feet again how could you say that you were not going to lose he said I knew I was outclassed I knew I would be knocked down I realized that my opponent was stronger than me but he said all also knew that all I had to do was get back up and if I could keep getting back up and getting into the fight that there was going to be an opportunity for me to win this bout I was going to return to the champion I was going to be the one that would walk away with the victory Ezra Charles they asked him they said was you having pity on him when he was down on the mat and it had gotten to the 8 count he said no he said I wasn't having pity on him at all. I was trying to talk him into staying down because I knew enough about the champion to know that if he ever did get back up again, that there was going to be trouble. I realized that if he got back up again, there was a good chance that I would never knock him down again. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. If the devil ever tells you that you can't get back up, you need to look at him and say, if I get up again, I'm going to be victorious. I am going to overcome. I am going to make it. Stand with me right now. Let's worship the Lord. Let's give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the keys. Getting back in the fight. That's the key is getting back up again. Say 2020's knocked me down in some areas. I'm going to tell you this, get back up again. Start, start praying again. Start believing God again. Start having faith again. Start worshiping again. Start doing the work for the Lord again. The devil doesn't know what to do with people that just keep getting back up. The Bible tells me that David... When a lion and a bear roared against him, they attacked him. The Bible says that he defended that small flock in the wilderness and he was able to slay the lion and the bear. But you know, 
there came a time in David's life and there needs to come a time in your life that he said, you know what? I'm not just going to sit around and wait to get attacked. But I'm going to go on the attack. I'm not just going to play defense all my life. But I'm going to go on the offensive. And the Bible says that when he went down into that valley where there was a giant, you read it for yourself. It didn't say that he ambled down into that valley. It doesn't say that he walked into that valley. But the Bible said he ran down into that valley. Have you ever known anybody to run into their valleys? Uh, that has to be somebody that has faith. Uh, what the, what, 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 what's going to happen when I get there? What's going to take place when I face the enemy? What's going to take place when I'm confronted with a giant? i tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be victorious. Uh, I'm tired of just sitting around and letting the devil attack my home and attack my family and attack my finances and attack me in different areas of my life. Uh, but I'm going to start playing some offense. Uh, I'm going to start taking some territory for the devil. I'm going to start living a victorious life. I'm going to start being the child of God that he wants me to be. Why don't you lift your hands right now and let's pray together that God would touch us. Come on, why don't you pray right now that the Lord would move and minister and work in your life. Somebody needs to remind the devil, I'm still here. I'm still in the king's gate. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm not giving up. I'm still holding on. I still have faith for lost loved ones. I still have faith for a miracle in my body. I still have faith that God is going to help me with my finances. I still have faith that God is going to take care of the needs of my life. I wonder if there's somebody that would like, as it were in the Spirit, by coming out of this altar, to come down to the King's Gate, as it were, and say, God, I want you to count me among those that are faithful. Because the devil doesn't know how to fight somebody that's faithful. He doesn't know. He, he may knock me down in certain rounds of this fight, but it's not about what happens in each round so much as what happens in, in the conclusion of the fight. If I just keep getting back up, if I keep getting back into the fight, if I keep on, amen, believing and trusting and having faith in God, I'm going to be able.